today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. They're in the middle of this court scene that we had all of these religious rulers that are there and they have Peter and John after they had arrested them, after they had been in jail overnight. Now they're in front of them and down in verse seven, when they, the religious rulers had set them, Peter and John in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, isn't that a great question? I mean, that's like saying sick them to a dog, you know? Hey, tell me, what is it that's moving you? What, what, what it is it that, that causes you to say and do the things that you... Don't you wish that your, your neighbor would ask you that question sometime? Have you ever had a coworker, friend, or family member notice that there was something different about you? If people said, I want to know where you get your happiness, your joy, Pastor David encourages you to always have an answer ready. You need to be able to share where your hope comes from. Today, Pastor David tells how Peter and John were asked the very same questions. Listen in to hear how they were prepared with answers that honor the Lord. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 3 as he begins his message in God's timing. I dare say that there's probably not a, not a single one of us that are here this morning that haven't at some time questioned or, or, or wondered, Lord, did you are, you are you hearing my prayers? You know, I, I've been praying for this event, this thing, this situation, and it's like it hasn't changed. Nothing's going. Maybe one of the things that do you you, you think as as we look at this whole thing and as we're praying we don't get the 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 answer maybe for you it's uh why would he answer my prayer i mean after all he knows me better than i know myself so why would he even care to answer my prayer well we're going to be looking today at the answer to a prayer uh, it's literally a miracle that is 40 years in the making 40 years. I wonder how long we can trust God without getting an answer. How long can we remain faithful to God and not get the answer that he has for us or the answer that we're looking at? We're in the book of Acts. I invite you to uh, turn there if you would. We are in chapter 3, and here we see actually all through the book of Acts that Luke is giving this account of the ongoing, this growing influence of the church and of the gospel, 
And in the midst of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, I believe is a better title for it than the Acts of the Apostles, because we see the Holy Spirit working and moving. Uh, and as he's moving and as he's working, we see a lot of positive responses, but we also see a lot of negative responses to what God is doing. Remember, as the church was growing, there, there became this great pushback, this great attack from the, from the Jews, at least from the Jewish leadership. There was also the attack from, in, in essence, secular Rome. Rome had a, a multiple of gods, and when the Christians came and they started saying, no, there's only one true God, there was a lot of pushback through that. Through all of this, even as we brought uh, along in the introduction to the book of Acts, Luke is writing this historical letter out to this friend, this acquaintance by the name of Theophilus, and he's trying to help Theophilus understand how the power, how the Spirit of God is moving through the disciples as well as other followers of Christ, and the church is being established, of course, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, and then on and on to the uttermost parts of the known world. We see that happening within the book of Acts. And as we continue on in this letter, we're going to find out pretty soon that some of these incidents, some of these events, they have very powerful, very positive influence in some lives. And sometimes we look and say, man, that's just sad. That, that, that's troubling what's going on there. And yet through all of these, the power of God through the Holy Spirit moves to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known to the world. And beloved, he's still doing that today. He continues to do that today. This past uh, Wednesday evening, we had uh, our missionary to Thailand, Susan Staples here. And Susan shared with us how God is working in the lives of the people in Thailand. But one of the things that she shared with us is that it's a very, very long process. Um, beginning with the fact that you simply need to help them to understand that there's only one God. Because again, as Buddhists, they're, they're, they, they don't even have the same concept of God that we do. And along with the Buddhists, there's others, there's animists that believe that the, a little bit of God is in just about everything. So all of this, understanding that there is one God and understanding that that one true God is the one that created everything. Their absolute ignorance of the word of God and, and, and the general non-availability of uh, the gospel message, again, once again, causes evangelism to be a very, very slow process within that culture. But here, as we are in the opening chapters of the book of Acts, the message of the gospel is actually going out to people who know the Old Testament. They know the prophecies. They know the promises. They knew all about the covenantal relationship that God had begun with man. They knew about the sacrifices. And a vast majority of the common people actually had a great love for God and a desire to be found obedient to his word. But when the gospel was laid out to them, quite often... There was this powerful, this, this positive response, just as we see in these opening chapters. But along with that positive response, 
those religious leaders, not the common people, but the religious leaders who had place, position, and power, when they heard the message of the gospel, when they heard the messengers speak, that suddenly became a great threat to them because it threatened their, their position, it threatened their authority, and these were cherished places for them. And as we finished up in chapter two, it seemed like everything was just so positive, just so wonderful. Uh, if, if you've got your Bibles there, if you're in chapter three, just look ahead a, a couple of verses. Uh, it, it seemed like everything was working out great. Listen to what he, uh, he writes in, in verse 46 of chapter two of chapter two, verse 46. Luke writes to Theophilus, he says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Bam, into the story. Man, Theophilus, everything's going great. Hey, have your people call my people. Let's do lunch sometime. You know, if that's where it ended, but that's not where it ended, is it? At that point in time, it was brand new and there wasn't the pushback. But we're gonna see very quickly that the pushback begins. The, and again, understanding that, that the, the struggles that are going on with the church and with the message of the gospel, really we see that in the remaining portion of the book of Acts. Now, even in chapter two, back up in verse 43, Luke makes this simple statement. He simply says in verse 43, that fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Many wonders and signs done through the apostles. Many wonders and signs. Now, if Luke wrote all of those, Man, we, we probably, again, the, the book of Acts would be chapter after chapter after chapter of what God was doing. I believe that God was moving that powerfully there. He does mention some of them, and as a matter of fact, as we get on into chapter three, we find a very powerful miracle, very powerful and very public. And then as he writes about this particular miracle, he also writes about the resulting attack from these religious leaders, and he describes all of that in chapter three and then on into chapter four. In fact, most of chapter four, it's all included within the same story. You probably remember the story. It's the story, it's the event of that crippled man that was lame from birth, that was healed again by, by the by the actions by, by the, 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 the time there with Peter and John as they're going to the temple. It's an opportunity that once that man is healed, that there's great evangelistic opportunity that comes at that. And the Sadducees, once they saw that, they were greatly disturbed. They ended up arresting them and holding them overnight, setting up pretty much a, a temple courtroom. And one of the best questions that these religious leaders could have ever asked Peter is asked during that courtroom scene. Look, flip over to chapter four. Chapter four, look down in verse seven. Now they're in the middle of this court scene that we had all of these religious rulers that are there and they have Peter and John after they had arrested them, after they had been in jail overnight. Now they're in front of them and down in verse seven, when they, the religious rulers, had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, 
by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, isn't that a great question? I mean, that's like saying sick them to a dog, you know? Hey, tell me, what is it that's moving you? What, what, what it is it that, that causes you to say and do the things that you're... Don't you wish that your, your neighbor would ask you that question sometime? Don't you wish your family member or a co-worker would... Why is it that you always have that attitude? Why is it that you're able to go through these things and still have that positive attitude? What is there in your life Man, that's just like opening the door. And hopefully, you're ready. You are prepared to be able to give a good answer, a good reason for the hope that's within you. Look at what it says there in verse 8. And then Peter, not on his own strength, not on his own ability, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, he had a great opportunity. And then he begins to preach to them Jesus Christ, crucified, risen from the dead. And he's telling all of this right in front of all of these religious leaders. And he ends up with those powerful words uh, beginning down in verse 10. Now you understand, the congregation that he's preaching or, or speaking to These are rulers, up in verse 5 and 6 it tells us, they're rulers, they're elders, they're scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, as well as many as were of the family of the high priest. And so here's this great congregation, and Peter tells them without hesitation, look in verse 10. He says, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom, by the way, you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by whom, by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone that, that, that was rejected by the builders which has become the chief cornerstone. And then in verse 12, again, bearing in mind the congregation that he's speaking to, Peter says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Wow. The the audacity of Peter to proclaim before all these religious rulers, this is how you're going to be saved. This is the only way you're going to be saved. The the, the audacity and and the courage, and, and granted, it's not his own strength. It is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And beloved, it's that infilling of the Holy Spirit that will give you and I not only the words to speak, but will give us the boldness to speak them, even in a situation where Let's face it, these guys are the ones that did crucify Christ. And they could have arrested Peter. They could have had him crucified. They could have had him stoned. His life was on the line. But because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, God gave him the opportunity. Because he was obedient to that opportunity, he spoke the words of life to these men that were there. And in essence, he tells them straight out, look, you're the ones who rejected him. You're the ones that crucified him. And yet, if you cry out to him, you'll have salvation. Only 
if you cry out to him, will you ever see heaven? But I'm getting way ahead of the story here. So let's go back to chapter three. Chapter three, that's really where we're at this morning. Chapter three, verse one. Now, Peter and John, this is the setting of the events that's going on. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. The, temple, the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Okay, now there's so many amazing things that are going on just in these three verses. Uh, I really don't know when we're going to get to chapter four. It, it's, it's probably going to, it's not going to be today, I guarantee you that. But there's so much that's happening here. Uh, I, I, but I did want you to see kind of the end of the things. And actually, what, even what we read in chapter four is not the end of things. It, it goes on from there. But what we do see is the process of here, we have a man that was lame from birth, We have Peter and John going to the temple, eventually comes to their arrest and the opportunity for Peter to proclaim the message of the gospel to all these religious rulers. But let's look here at these first three verses. Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And actually it's one of the hours of prayer. The Jewish day uh, from six o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night divided up into 12 hours. So the third hour is actually nine o'clock in the morning. The sixth hour is 12 o'clock noon. The ninth hour is three o'clock in the afternoon. And the 12th hour is six at night. It was at the ninth hour, which was actually the third time of prayer for the Jews. Usually it was at nine, noon, and three. So at three o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour, the time of prayer, which was also the time of the beginning of the evening sacrifices. All of this going on, Peter and John going to the temple to pray. Now the very fact that, that Peter and John continued to go to the temple to pray helps us to understand that at the beginning, Christianity was just a subset of Judaism. Uh, they, They were still going to the temple. They were still praying. They were still going through many of the processes. I don't believe that they partook of the sacrifices because they had the full understanding. No, Jesus was that sacrifice, but they would come for the times of prayer. Now, the temple compound, which is where they're going, is actually divided up into three primary areas. The first and the biggest area is what's called the court of the Gentiles. And then as you move from the court of the Gentiles, you move up the steps into the court of the women, which is the red area. And then moving up more steps, you move on into what is called the court of the men or the court of Israel. Now you might look at that map and think, wow, that sure is small for the court of Israel. But the the largeness of the whole thing has been described as the fact that you could probably fit dozens or more 
full-size football fields within all of the temple compound. So there's actually quite a bit of space there in the, temp, the, the entire compound. A Jewish man could go anywhere. He could be in the court of the Gentiles. You need to understand the court of the Gentiles wasn't for unbelieving Gentile dogs. No, this, the court of the Gentiles were for Gentiles that had proselyted or had become converted to Judaism. But yet because they were Gentiles, they still were not allowed in the court of Israel. They had to stay in the court of the Gentiles. But they had to be believing Gentiles. They had to be converted to Judaism. Then the court of the women, the men could go through that court and there's quite a lot of activities. It's believed that a lot of Jesus' teaching took place right there between even the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women. And then on up into the court of the men or the court of Israel, that's also where the Holy of Holies is located there. Now it's believed that where this lame man was sitting at that time, there was a gate that led from the court of the Gentiles into the court of the women. And as he's seated there, Luke actually tells us that is the, the gate called beautiful. Now scholars don't really agree on this very much because they say that in Jewish writings, they, they can't find a gate that's called beautiful with the name of beautiful. So they think that perhaps uh, what Luke is writing here, he's just describing what is actually the eastern gate. The eastern gate was completely covered with what is called Corinthian bronze, highly polished bronze, even to the point that it looked like it was shimmering gold. It was a beautiful, beautiful gate. It was also one of the most popular gates for people of Israel to walk into the women, going into the court of the women, and even the court of the Gentiles outside of that gate, the men going even through that gate. It was a great place for this lame man to be placed here because of the popularity of that gate. Now Luke very clearly tells us that the man was lame from his mother's womb, that he was carried and laid daily at the gate of the temple to ask alms from those that entered into the temple. Later on in chapter 4, verse 22, we find out that this lame man was actually more than 40 years old. Now here is where I need you to do a little bit of speculation with me, okay? We're not going uh, uh, out of the Bible as much as taking what we know of the Word of God and kind of speculating on a few things. My question to you is, we don't know how long it's been from the time of Pentecost to this particular event. My question to you is, how often do you think Peter and John going to the temple to pray passed by this man? He was there every day. I believe that they passed by him multiple of multiple of times. Go a little bit deeper. Jesus had times at the temple. Let me ask you, how many times do you think Jesus walked by this same man and never healed him? You know, there were multitudes of those that were still in Israel that were not healed during the ministry of Jesus. 
But can you imagine Jesus walking by this man with an absolute, you, you see his need, you see the greatness of his need. Wouldn't Jesus have had compassion on that man to heal him? I think that Jesus probably walked by that man. Speculation on my part, okay? But I believe that he probably either thought or perhaps even said to this guy, not today, my friend. Not today, but your healing is coming. Be patient and wait for God's timing. God's timing. Open our hearts, changes from within by the open word. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love, too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.